0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined by a glum-looking Matt Kendrick. Matt, are you okay?
1: <laughs> Sorry, that was just my uh, <laughs> that was my resting face. Um, I'm all right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you for asking. Good, good.
0: We're going to get the elephant out of the room straight away with the fact that I wasn't at the game yesterday because I've got covid I thought you we were going to
1: actually. I thought you were going to kick me out of the thing. Then we were going to get the elephant out of the room straight away. I thought you were going to kick me off the stream.
0: We made a joke about the elephant in the room last week, didn't we, with uh, John Moss? So we're just recycling content <laughs> at this point at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, I couldn't go yesterday, which uh, I gutted about really. Not in terms of the game so much, but the, the pre-match fanfare for the the Legends of 1982, which we'll get onto in a sec. Um, so yeah, hopefully I can get my, my way through this in the next half an hour without coughing and sniffing everywhere. Um, yeah. First of all, actually, let's just talk about that quickly. I really feel like I've missed out. I feel really left out of not going to Villa, which is quite a strange feeling. Like I've come on to do a podcast today to talk about a game I wasn't at. I put my shirt on in some kind of hopes to feel included in part of the club. I feel like really weird about it. It's strange. And the people that are watching this, particularly, you know, people that consume podcasts, maybe don't get to games as much that can relate to it more so than people that go every single week. But I really feel like I've been missing out, not going to the game. It's such a weird feeling.
1: I've got you a flag. What more do you want?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm mean, i very grateful for that, yeah. Thank you. But it does feel weird. Have you ever felt anything similar? You, When you were a reporter and you went to every single game, you, know, you must have missed some games to family commitments and stuff. Am I the only one that feels this out of us two?
1: I'll tell you what was the big one. I don't know what Villa fans are thinking for, like this for saying this, but I've got a a weekend I've got a week away booked in or a fortnight away booked in New Zealand for my um for my sister-in-law's wedding. And it would have clashed. If Villa would have beat Bradford in the semi-final, mm. it would have clashed. And I, know I how this is going. <laughs> I had a I don't know if it was a row, but I said to my wife, if Villa are at Wembley, I've got to go to that match, regardless. I'll fly out separately, you know, I'll have to take the hit financially and all that kind of thing. Um and obviously, listen, we probably knew it after the first leg because Villa was so poor away at Bradford, but after the second mm-hmm. leg, when we, were, when we were equally crap, Um I was gutted that we didn't get to Wembley, but it, it might have just saved my marriage. Uh, so it's, I could probably cope with, you know, I know these, these, these Villa fans who, Pre-COVID, I hadn't missed a match for forty years or fifty years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I could probably cope with having now sat through yesterday's match. I could cope with having missed the match if I wasn't there. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> if you're going to be if you're going to be ill for a game, you know, yes, you did miss the the great tribute that was paid to the legends. But in terms of the actual on on pitch performance, I don't think you missed a fat lot, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I was writing up the, the newsletter to go out this morning, as we do every Monday morning. I, I was writing this kind of thought process that I've got. Yeah, it doesn't sound like I missed a great deal from the game. Um, we'll start where we always do with team news then. As I said, I wasn't there. I've watched, I don't know whether I can say I watched it on a dodgy stream, but I did. Um wasn't great. I've seen a few highlights. I feel a little bit weird about it. So we'll start with team news as we always do, unchanged. Was that the right decision, do you think?
1: I don't know. You didn't win the match. <laughs> so no then. We didn't. Really take the game to to Palace. Um, didn't weren't able to match the intensity that we showed for for large periods against Liverpool. So you would probably say no. Um, the obvious one is is Buendia, again, mm-hmm. who has made some. You know, he, I know he started the game the other week and, and did exceptionally well. But other than that, he made some decent lively cameos, uh, which he did again. It um, was crying out for. Jacob Ramsey and Boan those were the changes that were, yeah. that were made eventually. Um, you know, we've said previously, didn't we, against Liverpool, that we 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 like seeing what Douglas Louise can do in a more advanced role. Now, to me, it found him; he was he was the, the one who's having to provide the kind of wide threat in the right channel, and just wasn't wasn't doing much with it. Really, you could almost see Matty Cash thinking. I'm looking for somebody to play the ball with, play the ball to. He could almost do with playing the ball to himself on the overlap, Matty Cash, because he didn't really have that that attacking outlet down down the right hand side. So I'm not just digging out Douglas Louise. I think I think there's a, a few players who who just weren't quite quite at it. You know, Palace did a decent job on us. I think mm-hmm. in terms of they they sat in and made it difficult for for Villa to try and get get around or get get behind them. Um, but yeah. He, you know, i suppose it's a popular narrative at the moment but you've got to ask ask the question why wendy is not getting those those starts when he's clearly doing pretty much everything he can off the bench to 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 convince the manager
0: can you just mute that whatsapp notification before we move on please?
1: well i don't i don't actually understand how i've had a whatsapp notification because i've got whatsapp web on
0: yeah what my can phone's actually that? off oh no that is weird it's not me is it
1: so that's no, spooky. It, it might be, it might be a different platform that I've had a notification from. I'll just check.
0: Okay, there's just another one, man. On, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, um, that was Slack. That
0: yeah, okay, nice. No, not,
1: not only was it Slack of me to let it through, that was from the platform Slack. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll turn my emails off as well. If I, if I'm, my boss is trying to get hold of me, and I'm, Oh, uh, I can wait.
0: <laughs> I can wait. Just tell us <laughs> where I'm yeah, exactly. Um, I was about to say that I'll ed- edit this out there, but we're live on YouTube as well. So enjoy that. Um, back to Buendia then. I kind of expected it would be Coutinho just because of the you know, the, you know confirmed to be a full in at the Player Awards and all that kind of thing. I, I thought not that that would kind of give him a, another lease of life, but maybe that would kind of make him want to put on a show that I'm here now, here to stay. I think his partner, his girlfriend, his wife, whatever she is, put an Instagram picture saying our new home of them sat on the Villa Park pitch. I thought that might kind of revitalise him a little bit and he'd kind of play out of his skin. But I kind of expected that. And then you just think every time, how is Brendan going to get into this side? Because when he comes on, he looks like the star of the show. But playing a, a player that costs £38 million, £33 million for 20-minute spells here and there just doesn't cut it, does it?
1: Again, nice no problems to have isn't it? You know, it's, we, we've said, said this, oh, we've said this so many times. cotinho, buen dia Coutinho. If he can find a way of getting a both in the team, brilliant. If he can't, then somebody is going to be the full guy. Um, you know, at the moment, that's semi Buendia, who's been been the full guard. I don't think I don't think Coutinho was terrible yesterday. I thought you could see, you could see the cogs going in his head. You could see a couple of times where he's seen pa- passes that us in the stands haven't seen, and sadly, some of his teammates haven't seen. Um, but he's always thinking, he's always probing. It's not always going to work. Um, hopefully, once Gerard has a preseason with Coutinho, and Coutinho has a preseason with that squad, then, you know, they will be on the wavelength more and more. I mean, we said earlier in the season, um, when Coutinho first arrived on loan, him and Jacob Ramsey seem to have this sixth sense of of, Mm. of knowing what runs to make and where each other are. I think there's still a while before Ollie Watkins gets that with Coutinho as well, um, possibly Ings as well. So I can understand Gerard playing you know, superstar footballer, new signing, uh, exciting talent, talent, Coutinho. And I just, but I just think there will come a time if Buendia is impressing more in his cameos than Coutinho is in his starting, you know, his starting appearances. The pendulum will swing, it will have to, Mm. because Gerard's no mug. He wants footballers on there that are going to affect the game and and winning football matches. So I think next season for me will be really interesting if, if, we're going to go forward with just one of those in that position. <laughs> I think the one who's in form will get the nod more often than not.
0: Yeah, and that, that makes sense. That's how it should be. Um, do you think Coutinho was dropping a bit too deep at times? Like picking up the ball like almost in line with the, you know where a third centre-back would be to try and affect the play and maybe a little bit of desperation there to think I've got to be involved, I've got to make things happen. But a player like quite being that deep isn't isn't going to work, is it? Not, not I think often anyway.
1: I think he was, he, he was dropping deep quite a lot. I mean, we saw that with Grealish, I thought, mm. uh, at times. Um, but that was at, ta- that was at the time when Villa were more of a kind of one-man show than they are now. You, you think they're more of a team. Uh, it's, is that because Villa aren't moving the ball quickly enough through the lines? You know, Nakamba was an interesting one again. Um, same old criticism of Nakamba. Same old praise and same old criticism. Gets he yeah. wins the ball, gets around the pitch, passes it to the opposition. You know, at one stage he played such a brilliant through ball um, for Palace. He played a random back pass that nearly put them on the attack. But I think he got back quickly and was the man who who fixed his own mess. Um, so I, I wonder if it I wonder if it was that, that that Coutinho thought. Well, you know, the ball's not getting to me quick enough. I'll have to drop deep and try and affect things from deeper areas and, and, and carry the ball and, and, and move from there. Um, I just thought it was, I think I said to you before we came came on air, Dan, I just thought it was a bit kind of after Lord, after the Lord's May show, really, with all the pomp and ceremony and celebration around the, the European Cup, Cup winners and honouring those, which I thought Villa, Villa did a really, really good job on, to be fair. Mm. I think after that, the first half fell flat. And then to do it all again, they walked him around the pitch again at half time. And then there was another anti climax in the second half. Um, but like I said, I thought Villa, I don't know whether you want to talk about that now or at a different, a different stage, but I thought, I thought it was a really, really special um, tribute. And I, I felt you could see it from the way that the, the legends reacted that they really appreciated that love that they were given by the club and by the mm. fan base.
0: I'm going to have to come from this from two perspectives. Obviously, I wasn't there. Adam Wright, a friend of the show, sent me that video, which I, I put on social media. Um, so thanks, Adam, for that. Um, for the people that were in the stadium, obviously, it's nice to look back on it with the game not being broadcast on Sky or anything. Um, I've only seen it from pictures and from a couple of videos, and it looked looked brilliant from the photos, and that's what made me have that feeling of, oh, I wish I was one you know one flag waver of that, that 42,000. That's what I feel like I've missed out on. Watching that video back, I kind of feel like, get rid of the music, just let the fans have their moment to sing. It's a bit of both. I don't know that's just a, a weird edit that I might have put the audio from another clip on or anything, but I feel like you don't need the music. Just let the crowd do the business. What was, what was
1: it like in the stadium there? Yeah, it was fantastic. The thing that, the thing that struck me was not, not all of them, but the two or three, two or three 60, 70 year old blokes, um, legends who were on the pictures part. And, Seeing them using their mobile phones to film to film the crowd, I just felt found, found it a weird. You know, I'm not I'm not saying 16, 70 year old people can't have mobile phones, uh, but I just f- felt that was really nice that that all that they've achieved and 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 everything, they still wanted to record that moment that 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 showed. Oh, that, that must they, be
0: some feeling though, walking out there like this isn't even. You know, that must be a good feeling to walk out and be treated like that if you'd won a trophy last year or five years ago the fact that you won this thing I I say this thing like it's nothing you won this trophy 40 years ago and you're given that reception that must still because football was a very different time back then wasn't it in terms of the money and the fame and that kind of thing to get that kind of reception 40 years later especially for outside of the bigger names Mortimer Cowan's Morley the people we've spoken to some of the kind of like more fringe players that you don't see very often that must be a really special thing
1: I think so, and I think it's the fact that probably, I mean, I wouldn't know the exact demographic of, of, of Villa's fan base, but half of those, mm. I'm guessing half the people in the stadium wouldn't have been born or certainly wouldn't have been old enough to to have been there or remembered it. So the fact that the legend lives on, and yeah. why wouldn't it? Because we, we we rightly bang on about it and celebrate it at, at every opportunity, but the fact, the fact that that has been Shared enough by the people who were there that the rest of us who weren't there feel it and love these guys, you know, just as much as as anybody who was at Rotterdam in May the twenty sixth, nineteen eighty two. It was, it was, it was, it was spine tingling. It was, it was really, really nice. And you know, I think that I think there were. I might be wrong, but I think there were nearly all of them there. I think Tony Morley wasn't there. Uh, Oh, really? Commitment that he couldn't couldn't be there, but I believe he's going to be at the dinner that were laid on at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And I think Jimmy Rimmer wasn't there as well. I'm not sure um, why Jimmy wasn't there. Uh, but other than that, unless somebody corrects me, there were, you know, <laughs> even the kind of, like say, fringe players who, who played earlier in the um, in the competition but weren't involved in the final, like, you know, Pat Hurd, Brendan Ormsby, um, mm-hmm. Ivor Linton. Uh, you know, several of those players have not been in great health um, so to actually get them there and to give them that moment i think was uh I think was was really special and you know i will continue to bang on um until until till otherwise really that this should be a more lasting tribute to them, whether it's the naming of the stand the new north stand i've heard, heard talk about that, whether it's a statue outside the ground I think there should be both uh, and obviously we're talking about. Remembering Ron Saunders, who built that team as well, and Tony Tony Barton, who, who put the icing on the cake by by leading them to the European glory. I think that still really, I think that really still needs to happen. But in terms of a one-off celebration, um, I think Villa Villa got it spot on yesterday. Yeah,
0: there's a picture from from Christopher Barton. I can flash up on screen for you know you're trying to run through the names there of everyone that's there. Um, yeah, I can't see Tony Morley. <laughs> it's the only face that I potentially recognise that isn't there. Um, the Tifo as well, the the big European Cup in the whole end, looked look really good. I think, obviously, again, it wasn't there. But the thing that you sometimes get with these big surfer flags and stuff like that is that there's an element of the stadium that aren't really involved in it because they can't see what's going on or yeah. they're looking outwards on, on onto a display or something. Um, you know, if there's a flag display in the lower north, the people in the lower north don't really get to see it. The fact that the whole stadium is, is decked out with these claret and white flags, everyone's participating. And if you're in the whole and you can see through the 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 TIFO on, on being, you know, being both sides as well. Um, really nice. And, and like I said yesterday in his post-match video, I'd like, if we'd like to do that kind of thing more often really it shows it can be done with, with a bit of preparation and you know it's not like you, you, you know you can't celebrate the 82 squad every single game but surely we can do more things like that you know more you know once more than every 10 years or so last time we did something yeah. big like that was the Blackburn semi-final the one I
1: remember when everyone's got a flag yeah listen it, it takes it's it's an expense and it takes mm. logistics and it takes organization but I'm with you um I'm very much of the opinion that there's only going to be, as we've seen, particularly in, in English football, there's only going to be, so, you know, what competitions can you actually win, first of all? You can win the Premier League, the Champions League, the Europa League, the the League Cup, um, the FA Cup. The Conference League. Conference League now as well. <laughs> but, so there's only, you're not going to, as we've seen, how many years and counting now? 26 years and counting? You're not going to always win trophies, but to me, you can control the fan element in mm. your ground really. And why, why can't be why can't Villa be follow the German model in terms of making? You know, I'm not saying you do it for every every single game, but having the having these spectacular corner flag and, and banner displays, you've got a really involved, invested. Little group there called Project Project B Six, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you know, I know it's only run by a couple of lads, but they're really, you know, they they do their bit. They try and crowd things. They try and come up with fresh designs. They try and honour things that they honour things and people and events that they know are close to the heart of this football club. So, you know, it, it's probably as much on the fans as it is on the club to get mm-hmm. these things off the ground. Because if when Project B Six come up with an idea. If there's a tidal wave of support for it that that you know shows the club that it's worthwhile, perhaps these things would happen more often than not. But you're right; it, it was a sign that that listen, Villa Park Philip Park looks spectacular if it's full and bouncy, and even if not one single person has a flag or a banner. But if you can put those things on, you know, if, if, could you designate like four matches a season? for That kind hmm. of thing, and whatever you think, you know, it might be paying tribute to a current player, it might be paying tribute to a former player. A particular match, I just think it looks spectacular. Um, but yeah, now the other thing I wanted to mention as well was I thought it was a nice touch with the um with the guard of honor.
0: As I was well. going to mention that, I was about to say, I've got to spin some kind of negative out of it until Stephen Gerald intervenes and, and changes that up. Do you want to explain that for people?
1: That yeah, well, that? listen, it's. Obviously, what what happened was the right thing that happened in the end. With the the current, not only the current team, but the owners were on the pitch. Christian Perslow was on the pitch. Stephen Gerrard was on the pitch to welcome welcome the the eighty two heroes onto the pitch, give them a guard of honor. Uh, I thought it was really nice. It was a really nice moment. You know, it transpires according to Gerrard in his post match press conference that that somebody suggested doing it the other way that, um, you know, the European legends stand in, form a couple of lines and, and clap on the um, the current lot. Listen, this is not any criticism of the, the current lot. You know, the, I think Villa have got a squad and a group of players who are talented, who are, are likeable, who are trying to do their best to catapult, catapult us back to the top half of, of, of the, the Premier League and, and beyond. But it just doesn't sit right does it you know that <laughs> they should be applauding our ultimate true legends uh, so and so from what i what i hear what, what was said in the press conference i believe it was gerald who said hang on a minute <laughs> you know i think this is the wrong way around let us be the ones who you know, giving giving respect and love to to these guys so you know it was the right thing in the end
0: yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because all the, the owners and Perso and all those guys being down there as well makes it seem like that was always the original plan that we would give the, the 82 guys the, the Guard of Honour. But you know, if Gerald says it was the other way around and he said something like, oh, I didn't like the thought of that, let's let's change it. Um, yeah, I thought of like Sid Cowan standing there applauding on Marvellous Nakamba. Like- oh, God. Come on, that's not, not a massive dig on the camera, but kind of is. Um, let's go back to the game then. I was kind of making notes yesterday. I was working. I was doing social stuff, so I, I was supposed to be working anyway. So I did half a day at home rather than at the ground. I wrote down Big Ings chance. I got a notification from the Premier League app saying he'd scored on the 34th minute. And I'm watching it a little few minutes behind, so I start typing out, oh, Ings goal, getting the graphics ready, all this kind of thing, ready to post it. And I say, well, Villa haven't said anything, so I'll, I'll hold off for a sec. And then my stream catches up a few minutes out. Of the thirty-fourth meet comes and puts one past the post. I thought, oh, that's what that's what the notification was supposed to be. Then I thought, which Gordon got ahead? That was a that was a decent chance. And from the notes I wrote down, was pretty much one of the the only real chances we had.
1: Yeah, I think that was the one where um, he's received the ball off, off Watkins' side step <clears> defender and then just whipped it just past the post. It's another one where he's unleashed a volley as well. Um, and that's flown, yeah. flown over. Um yeah, it was it was just a bit of a bit of a nothing game. Mm-hmm. Really,
0: to be table clubs?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I I don't quite know why why it did fall flat, to be honest, because you'd think that that seeing Villa Park in glorious multicolour the way it was, you know, and, and <laughs> a really special occasion, you'd you'd think that the, the the current lot would have a have a spring in the step, but it was, it was one of those where it just it just it just fell flat, and I think that um, there was nobody really. I mean, McGinn McGinn actually looked all right, I thought first half and played some probing balls. I don't think he was able to maintain it second half, other than his little tussle with Zaha, which we'll, we'll come to we'll come to later. But other than McGinn, Coutinho was a little bit of probing, um, Full-backs do well, I thought. Yeah, no, I suppose, I suppose uh, Luca Dean, I thought, was the, the pick of the full yesterday. Obviously got the assist for the goal. Um, like I say, Matty Cash looked... I don't know, I wouldn't say looked, looked lost, but I, I, there were a couple of moments when, you know, a couple of diagonal balls went, went over his head and he misjudged a couple of things. But, you know, you're still going to get high action, high energy from him. Um, yeah, it was just one of those where end of season, Villa didn't quite do enough to, to go and win the game. Um, didn't force the issue enough and played against the Palace team. Well, I think if we're being honest, we're, we're, we're content to, to come and take a point.
0: Hmm. I suppose because that is a, a slightly different conversation if Matty Cash also rack, racks up an assist yesterday, he put that, that good ball across the face of, of goal. But again, it kind of feels like we're playing two strikers, but no one's ever in the box. We're in the right place at the right time. I don't know why that
1: is. Yeah, I think you're talking second half, aren't you, where he flashed it across the, the face of goal, across the six-yard box. Um, it's an interesting one for me, and this is probably an unfair comparison because I'm probably talking about, you know, one of the best right-backs in the world here that I'm comparing him to in, in Trent Alexander, or certainly one of the best the attacking right-wing-backs in Trent Alexander-Arnold. But if you compare Alexander-Arnold, even on Tuesday at Villa Park, <laughs> He's probably crossed the ball from a similar place and he's put it on the he's put it on on a plate for Simcas. And I think Simacas has scuffed his shot or something or, or air kicked it. Or was he <coughs> was it Simcas was it somebody else? well whichever Liverpool player it was, I should know this, has actually (laughs) made a run and helped check the run and given Alexander, and been in space for Alexander-Arnold to do a cutback rather Mm. than to flash it with it in a hit-and-hope way. And I think it's a little bit of that for me. If Villa Villa either aren't getting enough people into the box or when they are, they're not being clever enough to, you know, it's it's the easiest thing finding space you know, in, in a penalty area. But I remember when, uh, let's bring this back neatly to the legends again. I remember when we spoke to, spoke to Peter with, um, a couple of weeks ago for, a you know, the podcast about his, his Villa career. And I think he said, people always asked him, you know, what, what was the art of being a centre forward? And I think he said, I won't do the Scouse accent, but I think he said, "Being where, no, go on, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. we where uh, it'll come across a bit like, um, Michael Gove the other week when he did, <laughs> uh, started doing his accents. Um, yeah, I think he said, be, be where the centre-half ain't, I think he mm. said, um, which, you know, sounds like a simple philosophy, but I'm not sure, you know, are the Villa players doing that enough when they're getting into the box? Are they are they being where the centre-half center ain't, uh, of was, finding that bit of space?
0: There was a clip on Watkins of Twitter, on Twitter, so I don't know whether it was from... Um from yesterday or from the Liverpool game or maybe in the week before that. Like I said, I've been all over the place really. But somebody made a run. I think oh, it was Coutinho when he broke through. It was Liverpool. Coutinho broke through and had a bit of work to do and he could have put it over to Watkins and then Coutinho kind of just does nothing with it and Van Dijk dribbles it out of his own area and nothing comes of it. But Watkins is just kind of floating around. He doesn't really make the near post run. He doesn't make a far post run. He just kind of floats in, in no man's land and I kind of feel like you need a bit more from a Premier League striker where we're trying to get 15, 20 goals and firing ourselves into Europe, you've got to be putting your body on the line to to break your neck to get into the box. And when you're playing two strikers up front in the, in the last few weeks, for not either of them to be in the box often enough to be in those opportunities does feel like a waste.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think Watkins is a lack of effort or laziness. I think it's a lack of
0: conviction. no. I think it's, yeah, yeah, conviction, maybe intelligence, or you know, a bit of, bit of in, a bit of killer instinct to to get yourself in the right positions.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think you know, obviously scored yesterday, so hopefully that yeah. okay. that will do him do him some confidence and actually got in the box. You know what? Well, he's was slagging him off for not getting know, in the box. got in the box. You know probably didn't quite get to where the defender ain't but got got a foot on the ball behind the defender and you know managed to, to direct it perfectly into the, the bottom corner I think with Watkins and this debate will rage on you know we've spoken in recent weeks haven't we about you know West Ham being in for him and what's his value and is his value worth more to Aston Villa as a player than it is to any potential fee I think the the thing thing that that Watkins probably needs to do. A little bit more in my my humble opinion as, as fan in the stand is when he's competing for the ball aerially or when the ball's coming into him with a defender up against him. I think he goes down too easily. And I don't I don't think he's necessarily looking for a foul. I just think he needs to needs to be better at, at, at standing his ground in those situations. Villa couldn't get hold of the ball yesterday. They couldn't they couldn't make the ball stick for anything longer than than you know, four or five seconds or two or three passes. And I think it's in those times, you know, we probably will hark back to one of Villa's greatest centre forwards again in terms of Peter with, it's at that time when you've got to do everything you possibly can to to make the ball, to get the ball under your control. And I don't mm. think Watkins has quite got that. I think another thing with, so I'm going on a bit of a nostalgia trip here, another thing with Toleroy was that, his job on the pitch was to make himself available for a pass from anybody whether it's from <laughs> a big from the goalkeeper whether it was you know it was looking out know, running the channel so his full backs had got an option whether it was you know intelligent running in behind so he's in his second or third year in the premier league to to try and rival one of our greatest ever ever number nines but he could pro- probably do worse than you know, watch the edited highlights. You know, get the VHS. <laughs> get, see if you can get a VHS video recorder. Get get the edited highlights down of a uh, of, of Peter With. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that that is quite an expectation to live up to. Yeah. On, so no pressure, son.
0: Uh, Gerard said didn't he, in his pretty much press. I think it was the, one of the embargo lines that Ollie Watkins is going nowhere anyway. So the talk that we had last game after Liverpool about potentially West Ham wanting him for fifty million. Gerald says no, going nowhere.
1: I think we need to get Gerard on the presser to talk rather than listen to my crap, don't you? Then you get the definitive. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, One of the other things I know we wanted to talk about quickly, um, so we haven't got loads of time this morning, is is Wilfred Zahar. Uh, Annoying player, but I kind of feel like if he played for you, you'd kind of like all that kind of, you know, winding up the crowd and that kind of thing. I, I think it's one of them that Palace fans absolutely love him. I think he's their top goal scorer in the league, probably their top appearance maker. Possibly ever, I think I saw yesterday, though. I don't know whether that's true. But if he, if that was a villa player and he was one of our own, I think you'd love him doing all that kind of winding up stuff, but it is a bit annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean he's not, so we're allowed to hate him, aren't we? You know, he's, yeah. he's not one of our own. And he did properly wind me up. So I mean, you know, it's probably job done from his from, from his yeah. perspective. I'm sure I'm sure you've got greater in- intentions than to wind me up. Um but I was one of the ones he wound up. And I think I think the thing that, that annoyed me, um, and I can see I can see the, the Palace fans kind of glorifying in this because he is their kind of mischief maker-in-chief, I suppose. The thing that annoyed me was that I don't think the referee was strong enough with him. Now, Palace fans will say, well, they don't think the referee was strong enough with McGinn. And, you know, mm. McGinn had a couple of nibbles and, you know, the ref probably should have taken more action. Um, you know, that possibly, possibly um, got a case there. But when... The ref is awarding free kicks for fouls on Zahar and then Zahar is still going back constantly at the ref saying, you know, and then wandering over to the fourth official and doing the same. It was, I don't know, at some stage the referee's got to say, listen, let me referee this game. One more, you moan once more and I'll book you for dissent. Uh, mm. So I think he, I think it was that a little bit. It did amuse me when uh, the whole end struck up a course of he's going to cry in a minute, uh, which I think kind of pretty pretty much nailed it. Uh, I did expect Sahar to go and score the winner. after yeah, I, the win. I thought it was going to I thought it was going to be fake. Um, would I like that for my team? I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought, and again, I'm coming from this from a very Aston Villa Claret and Blue perspective. So, if any Palace fans have stumbled upon this, you know, don't kill me in the comments. But I thought it was even—it was a little bit too much. But maybe mm. that is maybe that is because because we were on the receiving end of it. Maybe maybe if it was the the boot was on the other foot, maybe maybe I, I would love it because uh, he's clearly pressed our buttons. You know, yeah, what I mean? it's a
0: bit—it's a bit anti-football, isn't it? It's the the theatrics of it all to try and wind us up a little bit and. He obviously loved the, the stadium, kind of chanting about him. And he, there's a picture of him holding his hands up like this. And I tweeted it when we scored, saying images that precede unfortunate events. And as soon as I, as soon as I present, I thought he'll score the winner here, and this tweet will kind of come back to haunt us. Um, but he loves it. Probably thrives on it. Bit in that greelish mould, likes being fouled, those kind of things. But it, it kind of it is what it is. Well, was a
2: um,
1: talking point, you know.
0: Yeah, in a flat game, or something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we – there's a, a question I wanted to put on you for a little social clip that I've not prepped you for, so you might you might stumble and we'll come come uh, nothing will come of it. But you wanted to give a shout-out to somebody as well, so do you want to get that out of the way first? Get it out of the way. <laughs> it's a horrible way to put it, but, yeah, go on.
1: <laughs> I don't want to get it out of the way. I want to make a big, a big uh, thing of it. No, just um, <clears throat> two, two avid listeners um, stopped me outside Villa Park. I was just walking up um, – uh, where was I walking? I was walking around the corner from Nelson Road, I think it is, which is one of the roads off, off mm-hmm. Trinity Road. And I was eating a bag of Quavers, and they they wondered. Mm-hmm. And I've got I got me sunglasses on, so I thought I was incognito. But you know, my fame precedes me. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it was um, it was Aaron and, and and Julie, a couple of other fans who say they they they're regular listeners. They mm-hmm. agree with most things I say, which I think, were, I think they were just being nice. Uh, and they even stay around for the nonsense bits at the end, so they, they could still me
0: watching this bit. Then, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. So that was um, that was very kind. And they recognised, Julie recognised that Quavers are one of the healthier crisp snacks that I can mm-hmm. have. So I wasn't, I was, I was sticking on my slimming world. So big shout out to them, lovely, uh, lovely c- couple of Villa fans. So uh, yeah, it was, uh, I did thank them at the time for their kind words. Uh, one thing on that, Aaron. <laughs> I don't like the name, Aaron. Have we done this before? Oh. To, uh, I, I think it's a waste of a letter A. Letter a. I don't see why. Oh, got to be... we, have
0: to, we have done this before because I'm, Ma- I'm a
1: Matthew with one T. So I've sacrificed a yeah. letter just so Aaron can have an extra A. Do you know what yeah. I, mean? Yeah. I mean? He's a lovely fellow, but I think he needs to he needs to hand back in one of his A's. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Were the um quavers the cheesy ones or like the salt and vinegar or the prawn cocktail?
1: Oh, they certainly weren't prawn cocktail. I'm oh, not prawn fan cocktail's grim, ain't it? Yeah, I mean, then it <sighs> skips prawn cocktail. Well, aren't, aren't skips prawn cocktail quavers in effect, anyway?
0: Yeah, kind of. I don't mind skips, but I don't like prawn cocktail. So that's a little conundrum for you.
1: Yeah, um, they, were, they were cheesy quavers, mate, the originals. Okay, good. All right,
0: that's good. Is that um, the question the you, you wanted sp- to ask? No, it wasn't the question I wanted to ask. Um, was for a little social bit that I'm doing. And it's uh, you know, the one we did about how many goals could you score and all that. And I've got all yeah. our you know, podcasts, co-hosts or whatever you want to call us, to to contribute. Yeah. This week's one or next week's one is which player did you love for like no reason? So not like a Grealish or a good player, like somebody who was probably a little bit like Alan Hutton is a good example, bit of a nothing player but a court hero. So I'm going to hand over to you with absolutely no prep whatsoever. If you can think of a name and a reason, that would be lovely.
1: <laughs> you've, thrown, you've thrown me a little bit about this, and this is just the worst example ever. And this is the most uh, the most Matt Kendrick. I don't like speaking, myself, speaking about myself in the third person, but it's the most Kendrick example you can ever imagine. Um, speaking about, we were talking about VHS videos a while ago, and... Um, me and my mate Gas, shout out to my, my mate Gas Crump, who we used to get to the BBC to get together for many years. We used to get the end-of-season videos or if Villa produced any any VHS video about Villa. We used to get, and there was um, there was one. There was a player called Carl Carl Tyler, who was a big centre half who didn't really he didn't figure that much. I'm just trying to think what area he played. Villa Villa had, Villa have had great centre hearts, you know. Certainly through through the era of the, the, the late nineties, early noughties. So he'd have been a backup player at best. But there's a video about what um, what Villa's pre match routines were, and you know there'd be the, the usual, you know, some players would put the left boot boot on first out of superstition, and some players had make sure well, they had the same meal, you know, chicken and beans or whatever it was, <laughs> or egg and chips before the match. But Carl Tyler, it always used to always stuck with me. He came onto this video and he made the cut. And he, he used to say, um, you know, I, I always, without fail, make sure I have a number two before the game. And it just made me, cause I'm a juvenile idiot, it just made me <laughs> laugh that of everything that he had to do, whether it was superstition or whether it was comfort, he had to go for a poo before the game. And he just become this weird cult hero right? with um, with me and my mate. And I, I might be I might be exaggerating or, or ch- taking us on a different direction, but I'm sure we even like from then on. You know, we close mates and we go and holiday together and stuff. Like that. If anybody if it, ever anybody used to go for a dump, we used to go <laughs> call it a Carl Tyler. and it just. <laughs> Like I say, it's it's random. I've I've loved lots of villa players for lots of different reasons. But in terms of a really, really random, bizarre cult hero, then I think Carl Tyler um going for a number two.
0: I love that yours isn't even like related to football in any way. Like it's like he was a t- terrible player but he scored a banger of a goal or you know did something or other. Like, I don't know where I'm going have with that. Have you like, the, um,
1: have I shared the Dwight York story from the same video for one of those videos back in the day?
0: Is this the same video where Ian Taylor says that he drinks Rybino? It, it might be the
1: Squadies video when they're on the front cover dressed up as soldiers and stuff. It might be yeah. that one, but they used to bring out loads of bits and pieces like this. But There's a Dwight York one, um, and they showed him kind of preparing a meal or something or in his kitchen at, at his home. And uh, <laughs> I think somebody asked him, what does he most, you know, but living in Birmingham now, what does he most live, what does he most miss about living in the Caribbean? And um, this is a really bad accent, but he said, "I miss my mum's cooking," and he meant cooking, and it sounded like cocaine, and it was <laughs> like so. So I remember, mean, like when we weren't doing terrible jokes about Carl Tyler doing do the number two, we just used to call it. "I miss my mum's Um So there you have it. There's an insight. There's an insight into my world. But he definitely uh, meant cooking. Yes,
0: of course. I'm glad I brought that. up. there's a nice way to end the podcast on a, a funny note. Um, Being the outstanding video producer that I am, I've also queued up the Peter With trailer. Seeing as we've mentioned it so many times, we might as well go and push push people in that direction as well. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast as always. There's only a couple more left now, isn't there? I don't know what we're doing. Thursday night or Friday morning for Burnley, and then it's the last game of the season on Sunday. Um, so only a couple more post match shows to go. Um, thanks to the fans for tuning in. As always, we'll be doing another one of these, like I said, later in the week. So I'm going to queue up the Peter With trailer, so you can go and watch that. I'll stick the link in the comments box below as well. It's a it's a good watch. Um, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you again soon. Matt, you can leave by the way if you want. Cause I know mean, you've got a another meeting to I go to. So I want to
1: watch
0: all right then, let's play
2: it. I'm just missing one piece of the jigsaw, he said, and that's you. He said, if I get a centre-forward of your calibre, he said, we'll win the league. You're, you're a nice guy and you're, you're pleasant and you're this and you're that. He said, but I look at you in the football field, he said, it's just a different animal, a different beast. And I said, yeah, it is. I said, because it's called crossing the white line. So he said, what do you mean? I said, when I cross that white line to get on that football field, don't stand in my way. What have you got to tell me about centre-halves? And I said, it's very simple. Whatever the centre-half is, I hate. That's how you score goals. And, of course, that's when Ron made the famous... To Tony Gubber made the famous statement, do you want to bet against us?
1: How did you respond to that to that statement from him?
2: I know I responded to it. I responded to saying, that's what I would have said, <laughs> whatever you do, don't bet against us because we'll come bouncing straight back and we'll bite you. Once he's got free, I new and I'm looking at Argentiler, and then Tyler, as I've gone forward, has gone to the near post. I know where the goalkeeper's got a cover, he's got a cover to, to the near post. So once the ball is passed Argentiler and it's passed the centre-half, I'm now in the middle of the goal. A thousand things are going through my head, but the most important thing that's gone through my head, all the practice you've done, of these opportunities, make good contact with the ball.